But the booze was out of control. I know that now. Then I just accepted it. Kids do that. Dogs too. Welcome to AMI Audiobook Review, the weekly podcast where we chat all things audiobooks. I'm your host, Ramia Amuthan, and the quote that we start with is that of Stephen King, and it's because later on we'll be discussing Fairy Tale by Stephen King, which is where I pulled this quote. And I really did go through a lot of quotes before choosing this one to make the point that I love Stephen King's use of similes going from one description to another and wondering if any of this actually makes sense does this have a connection seemingly not but they actually do most of the time and he has this brilliant way of passing from one thought to another without missing a beat without trying to skip any beats or words or connectivity and he finds the slightest of threads to then make the words move forward. And he takes us along with him, of course, if you're paying attention. And I often wonder, does he even know where he's going? Which I am convinced he does. Um, Every phrase feels intentional when you see it on paper, because oftentimes we're listening to audiobooks and we're just taken and whisked away on this journey. But when you see it on paper through these select quotes, you think, Wow, yeah, this is great Uh, for dialogue, for thought, for description. So he says in his on writing memoir slash guide to writing. Lots of great tips there and lots of sharing on his part about how he goes through it for writing. Let's move to the CELA homepage and take a glance at the featured titles, celalibrary.ca, and that's the Center for Equitable Library Access. The Story of Us by Catherine Hernandez is an LGBTQ plus fiction title that's up there. We also have Cobalt Red by Sidrith Kara, and this is a social issues pick. And the last feature title up there is In Land Without Dogs, The Cats Learn to Bark by Jonathan Garfinkel. Historical fiction for anyone who's interested in that. And we will come back with Know Your Narrator on today's episode. Sarah Hillis is featuring the 2023 Audi Award winner for Best Male Narrator. This is AMI Audiobook Review, the weekly podcast where we chat all things audiobooks. And on the second episode of every month, we have Know Your Narrator with Sarah Hillis. We basically shout out the voices um, behind our favorite listens, and we get to know the fascinating lives and backgrounds and interesting approaches to reads by these narrators. And Sarah, this month along with next month, and maybe we'll go down this road a little further. But for now, you kind of have a themed approach for Know Your Narrator. Yeah, well, uh, this will be two months because there are two for this year. But we're doing the best, uh, the winners of the best narrator categories of the Audi Awards, which were held on March 28th, 2023 in New York. And this is an industry event from the Audio Publishers Association, uh, and it recognizes a lot of different categories, but the the the, the ones we're interested here in are uh, the best male na- narrator and the best female narrator. Mm-hmm. They still only have those two categories. They haven't done anything about that, but you know, there you go. Um, 
Yeah. Amazing. Okay, so you want to start with male, female? Yeah, we're going to do the, the best male this time around because I know his work the best. Okay. Uh, basically, that's the only reason. Uh, Seth Numerick is the guy. And... Um, he narrated Fairy Tale by Stephen King, which you might remember um, I recommended yes. uh, in the New Year's edition or whatever of the audiobook mm-hmm. podcast. Um, it's a really great book on its own. Uh, Seth does a great job narrating, and I had never come across him before until until reading that book. And there's a good reason for that. Because as far as Audible's concerned, anyway, uh, he's only narrated five books in about oh, eight or nine years. Wow. So uh, not because he, I'm sure, doesn't want to do it. He's just a very, very busy actor. He's got a lot of things, irons in the fire, as it were. So, mm. um, But yeah, he started, it looks like he's only worked with Simon & Schuster Audio, as far as I can tell. I don't know if he did anything voluntarily, like for the, the blindness organizations or anything like that before that. I have no clue on that score myself. But uh, so he he's tends to, seems to tend to narrate sort of first person books. He started with a memoir in 2012 mm-hmm. uh, called Honor Bound, which is about uh, the remember the Amanda Knox case. She was the, she and her Italian partner were, you know, uh, they were they were they were uh, thought to have committed murders and they were convicted but then they didn't hadn't done it. And it was a big thing back a while ago. So that was called Honor Bound and it was by the the guy. Okay. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, he's done some some other sort of gothic type stories, a little bit of science fiction, um, which and and these two Stephen King novels that I've read uh, later, mm-hmm. which was in 2021 and Fairy Tale, which was in 2022. You think it uh, would <laughs> come to happen that Seth becomes the narrator of future Stephen King books? That would be kind of amazing. The way Simon & Schuster works, I don't think it's going to happen Aww. because they just keep picking different people for different stories. <laughs> okay. Wait, so give so. us some of the um, the highlights of fairy tale. Like you said first person, that is the pattern for fairy tale as well? Yeah, fairy tale okay. is um, uh, a sort of 22-year-old guy looking back on his teenage years and his early childhood a bit too. But the main story takes place when he's about 17 uh, and so Seth brings this sort of youthful note to, you know, he's in his 30s now, but he brings this, a sort of youthful sound to that novel. You can kind of believe that that's a, a 22-year-old mm. kid uh, telling the story. And when he's a younger uh, teenager, you can also kind of hear that in his voice, too, like when he's when he's ta- using dialogue and things like that. But it's the um, thought, right? I think the internal thought that he does really well. Yeah, he really gets into the characters' heads. I think with both later and fairy tale, he's able to show you the 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 space in which these people. Usually, Stephen King's conceit with these first-person novels is that they're kind of writing them as therapy. They're kind of writing them to say, "This is what really happened." Right, right. And you might not believe me, but this is what really happened, kind of thing. And uh, so he gets into the the psychological headspace, I think, of the actual narrative voice as well as the the character in the in the story too. Mm. Like it's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his tone because you mentioned youthful. I, I would definitely say his tone sounds very young, not 
like these some of the seasoned pros that we've talked about uh, in past Know Your Narrator segments. And I don't know, there's something different about exactly what you said, the actual books that they choose for him. Um, they seem very specific or like have a very specific vibe. And it might be exactly what you're talking about. It sounds like he's reading his own journal entries, which is very different than, you know, a multi-character um, and third person style reading where you're throwing in many character voices and uh, different experiences and emotions. It's kind of a different process. Yeah, I I, I think so, because I think... If you have a single narrative voice and it's not the omniscient third person narrator either, mm-hmm. like it's one person's vo- and it's supposed to be that person that's that's quote unquote writing the book. Right. Or the, exactly. The, the manuscript or whatever they're doing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's 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 a very different thing. I mean, you see in Stephen King's books like this, oh, I might have spelled that word wrong or I have to fix, you know, like he'll 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 even say that this is not a real, you know, finished product the writer the quote-unquote writer is 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 writing as he goes kind of thing and Mm -hmm. it's very uh journalist the journal not journalistic but journal like (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, yeah that's interesting okay so give us more information on his background his growing up the influences around his narration whatever you have yeah so he grew up he was born in 1987 in minneapolis minnesota his dad, Charles, was an actor. And Seth says, um, most of these uh, things I get are actually from actor interviews. I don't have any narrator interviews, which is really sad. I hope mm. we get some in the near future. It's just Me been too. too soon after the, the wards, I think. But but um, anyway, um, he said that when his dad was, was performing, I don't know if this was in live performances or just in rehearsal, but but Seth would g- kind of get up and 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 steal the scenes, as he would put it. He he be- he really wanted to be in the center of attention. He really wanted to be an actor mm-hmm. from a very early age. He would he would say, and he studied at Juilliard, which is like the school, right? The 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 famous acting school in New York, and uh, I suppose there's the actor studio too. But but Juilliard is like the the big one that people talk about a lot yeah. for acting and music and things. And uh, then basically right out of school, I think he just started getting theater work, you know, off Broadway, on Broadway. Um, took him a while to get onto Broadway. But uh, but yeah, he he he's done a ton of theater. You can tell he really loves the theater, the whole ethos of the theater. A lot, a, a lot sort of different from, I would say, some of our narrators who are maybe a little more. I don't know. They, they've been around a little longer. They're mm-hmm. like, you know what? I really love this narrating thing because I don't have to you know, project my voice so much and and I don't have to work with all these other people that get their lines wrong. And, (laughs) you know, a lot of them will say that. Yeah. But Seth is clearly, he's like, I will work as long as they let me work. That's kind of how he's, he's viewing it. Um, In terms of things like TV, he's, he's done a couple TV things. Uh, He was in turn Washington's spies. So that's kind of a 17, like a revolutionary war thing from AMC, American Movie Classics, as it used to be called. Uh, and I never watched that show, but I remember it being on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was in Homeland, too. He played, um, I think he was kind of like a, and uh, uh, if I remember the character correctly, he was a 
CIA kind of agent guy that that then gets shot up and and has to sort of deal with a brain injury and stuff. Oh. And if I, I'm thinking, if I'm thinking of the right, there were so many characters in that I show. Was but say. but uh, yeah, um, it was in that uh, in the later seasons of it, and um, yeah, uh, he's done a few movies that, which I don't know. I don't know them at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's he's got uh, you know acclaim for that for those things. Well, clearly and, he's been. Uh, busy sorry yeah go ahead. He, yeah he really seems like it really seems like narrating is something that comes up every so often and i don't know if he gets to pick like the stories like maybe that's what he maybe he does maybe he gets to pick the stories because you know mm. like uh but yeah it's sort of a thing that happens every so often and then he, he does it and then he goes back to what he seems to truly 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 love which is the theater the theater uh yeah that comparison is still quite deep for me um, because of just the sample size of narrators we've talked about and how they've always expressed in interviews and whatever you were able to find that transition, that transformation, that liking of narration. I wouldn't say over theater, but, you know, they're able to like channel some of the things that they've taken on from theater over the years and uh, through their backgrounds and put it into narration and then say, I love doing it that way. Right. But with Seth, it sounds like he's still working through his bucket list of things that he wants theater wise. Oh, yeah. He has tons of dream roles he still wants oh. to do. He's like he has this weird idea. I can't even imagine it. But this weird idea of of wanting someone to stage a version of Dante's Divine Comedy, which is all metaphysical and crazy. And, and how could you possibly do, do that? <laughs> but uh, he wanted I think he wanted to be Dante. Like he wanted to be the character in that. Maybe the sure. same way he does his narration. Right. Like that whole first person thought process. Yeah, well, how does Dante in the middle of my life? I uh-huh. I I lost my way in a dark wood kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah like it's very, <laughs> it's very it's, first person. It's very monologue. That would be interesting to watch. Um, okay, and there's something about the Welsh Welsh dialect. Yeah, he really that... likes. He really likes. I I can't even try to do it for you, but he. <laughs> I'm learning Welsh on Duolingo, but um, oh, okay. he he really likes Good timing. Um, working in dialects, right? Because he thinks it's kind of like putting on a mask and, and sort of letting mm. it kind of freeze you up. You kind of, it, once you get the dialect down, he's he's played um, English um, characters before and in different dialects, like the Devon dialect, which is like, hello, I'm from Devon, you know, very, mm. you know, very almost, almost like pirate talk, but not quite. <laughs> And then, you know, he'd really love to do the Welsh dialect, a little bit of the Welsh, you know, because it would be really great for him to, to I can't do it, but I, I always get Irish on my, on good, me, though. but, but he, he, he would love to work in a play, like say, I don't know, like the corn is green or, or one of these, um, uh, uh, Welsh plays that he, you know, he didn't say the corn is green. I just picked one, mm-hmm. <laughs> but he would really like to do the Welsh dialect. He, he's, he studied it at school, but he never got to perform it yet. So, yeah. Um, yeah, he, he likes dialect, and he and he he shows that in 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 this narration too. He'll use Does he? he'll use dialect. He okay. he did an English dialect for like he was reading a Guardian review of a book in later, and of course the Guardian's basically a British newspaper, and so when he read the review, he adopted this sort of English style oh. of, of reading it. You know, <laughs> just like subtle choices here and there, right? Like I was hearing some of the samples of his work and thinking, okay, it's pretty 
straightforward. Like his performance is pretty, and and of course it depends on the content too. Like it's a Stephen King book; everything sounds eerie from the descriptions of the settings to like the things that the characters will find. But um, I guess some of the choices he makes, it, it does bring out the theater in him. Yeah, like I think I think he knows how to adapt his tone to what he's doing like Mm. most good narrators know like Mm -hmm. you've got your narrative narrative voice which is pretty straight usually unless you're talking about giant cockroaches like in Stephen King uh, or (laughs) or very crazy other things does he yell Um, and scream like in in parts um, that are dramatic not in the narrative voice I would say uh like I I think of 11 with with Craig Wasson doing the narrating and when he's reading a, a harrowing scene yep. he kind of almost starts to, like it's like he's yep. trying to not to cry as he's reading it mm. and I'm like okay it's a little much for mm. me mm-hmm. but I really like that book but <laughs> But um, yeah, so no, he doesn't do a lot of that. It's more in the dialogue. He will, he will get and and yelling and screaming. No, because that's not good for your voice. But no, but you know what I mean. Performance. Yes, yes. Okay. All right, that's interesting. Um, Let's keep with that. The style of reading, the approach to reading, his tone of reading, which we've covered a lot of already. But uh, what is what would you say was the progress of his reading um has he talked about that have you found much on it you mean the process um, well he... process as well but like the progress of from when he first started reading has he said anything about the um development side of it or how he approaches reads i must admit i have nothing uh directly on narration mm. for him but but his acting he has said in interviews that he really likes when a when a writer a playwright that is can bring a character to life really well so it kind of leaps off the page and i so i would say that that would go for his his use of narration of books as well because if if you know what the character is is trying to be in in the words and the mm-hmm. actions that the narrator chooses it's easier for you to embody that character you know on stage or in your voice or whatever right so he does he likes that um he he really uh, likes um, he likes artists. He likes to emulate the artists around him that stay grounded and like to find a truth. So I think even in the most fantastic story of Stephen King, mm-hmm. as if you're a Stephen King fan, you'll know that there's a lot of truth in those stories. There's a lot of truth about the human uh, condition and, and mm-hmm. character motivations and 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 such. Um, and so I think you know. Those are very good choices for him to do because he can find that truth in the midst of all the crazy uh, monsters and (laughs) and whatever else that come up. That's an interesting point, right? Like bringing the realism into the story. Like when we talk sci-fi, fantasy, whatever Stephen King is, like (laughs) the the match of horror with everything else, imagination. um, Sometimes there tends to be this resistance for people to check out books like this maybe and and maybe some of this i'm speaking for myself actually um because we're thinking i don't know if i can relate or i don't know if i can really believe um in this experience that the character is going through so i think the narrator can honestly bring that to the table make you think that this is something real even if it is just full of 
fantasy and imagination, right? Like the the narrator has the power to bring you into that world and make you believe in the writing. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And and um, like just for Stephen King and Seth's, you know, working with his his um, books, mm-hmm. um, there's this like Stephen King has always said. There's you have to go very s- sort of slowly in a sense but also not too slowly, but very slowly into the weirdness. Yes. So that the weirdness comes out of the thing you've already been reading. So exactly. it, it doesn't, it almost doesn't jar you, but it it jars you, but it, it jars you in a, <laughs> in a kind of comfortable, but you're like mm. ready to jump into mm-hmm. the pool or mm-hmm. something because of, because little things have seemed odd through yes. the whole story. Right. And I think Seth does a very good job of pointing the oddities up um, it later is, a, I'm spoiling a bit, but later is about a kid that uh, sees uh, dead people. And it's not like The Sixth Sense, it's a bit different. But, but yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he starts off saying, well, Mr. and Mrs. So- so-and-so were standing outside their door. And it was only a second, a few seconds later, you realize that Mrs. So-and-so isn't in fact alive. But he doesn't start by saying, I saw dead people. Right. right? He, he, it's, it's really uh, subtle, right? Yeah. I'm totally getting chills. I love discussing things like this, that that very um, thoughtful, intentional writing and knowing that, you know, this is the effect that this is going to have on the reader. So how to maximize that or how to go into that trusting process with the reader. Stephen King is so, so good at that. I mean, there are books that I've read by him and I'm just like, how did I, when did I invest in this? Like, at what point yeah. during the book did I say, oh, my goodness, I'm there with you, man. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. Um, How about Seth's, like, ability to trust the process or trust the, the book or, you know, kind of go through it? Does he say anything about that? Yeah, he, again, I have nothing directly on his narration, but, mm-hmm. but he does say... Interestingly, for acting, he gets really nervous during auditions, but then once he's done all his whatever you do as an actor to get ready, right? Once he's ready to perform the role, his ner- he doesn't have very many nerves at all. Like, mm. and he says that he thinks that's weird, but that that's like he thinks that's not the person's usual way of doing it. But I guess he feels like once he internalizes things, um, I guess that's what he probably does. He kind of internalizes it in a way that that it it's able to um come out of him kind of more naturally perhaps. Yeah. So I would say personally, I mean this is a total speculation on my part, but I would say <laughs> that if he's reading a book, he's going to do the same kind of thing. He's going to take it into himself and in whatever methods he does, I wish I knew them because I think they're interesting. Right. But um and then and then sort of spin it back out as as the narrator um in a in a in a flowing kind of way or as flowing as you can get in a recording mm-hmm. studio when things go wrong or whatever now you did have one uh piece from him directly about his narration and that was during the acceptance speech at the audis yeah he, he actually said you know it was a real pr- privilege and pleasure to narrate stephen king's words because uh, he loves the use of language because stephen king does have an awesome use of language um and because he reads all the time right stephen king reads everything yes everything yes, he does. and so yeah. um uh, and he and he 
he sort of jokingly, he said, it was a privilege to narrate Stephen's work. And he went, well, wait a minute. We're not on a first name basis, you know. <laughs> so you can kind of tell that he's a fanboy. It's, yeah. it's, it's funny because in the on stage interviews, like they're like, well, who are your favorite writers? And he's like, oh, I like Walt Whitman and Gabriel Garcia Marquez and mm. all these 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 really sort of. I don't know, highfalutin kind of literary mm-hmm. figures. But then I totally know he, he reads Stephen King. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. Uh, <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, it seems like he's quite ready for the challenge. He is younger. He is newer. Um, he is still like much more involved or has a lot to continue doing in the theater slash TV slash big screens <laughs> realm. But um you know, there's so much potential here. So I think you mentioned this already, but uh, winning the Audis is probably a, another big kickoff point for him. Yeah, I wonder what will, I just don't know what, what's going to come of this. I think it will be interesting to watch because I, I haven't seen such a new narrator really, not not new, but a, a, a narrator who's only narrated about five books mm-hmm. get an Audi award. I don't think, I don't think I have. Yeah, that is interesting, actually. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see where it goes, but... Um, you know, good reasons, as we pointed out through this conversation as to why he deserves the award. And um, obviously, oh, I was so happy. I was really happy. Yay. Yay. I know <laughs> it so was happy. your recommendation. So <laughs> uh, awesome. Any quick thoughts before we let you go? Uh, well, next month, we're going to talk about um, Rosamund Pike, who is redoing the Wheel of Time series uh, by Robert Jordan. She's she's in the actual show on Amazon Prime. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess I have to start reading them now. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I can't just stick books. to the Amazon Prime part of it. Oh, 14 books. My goodness, that's like almost Amir level. Sarah, thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Sarah Hill is joining us for Know Your Narrator's second episode of the month. You can hang out for this session. And uh, there you go. You get a teaser of what may come next month as well, or will come at least. I'm Ramia Amudin, host of AMI Audiobook Review, our technical producer, Nisreen Abdelmajid, this week with the assistance of Jacob Shymansky. And until the next episode of this podcast, happy audiobook listening. Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts.